to the Happiest Places to Work podcast. I'm Amy Dix, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of Choose Happy. We create and build insanely happy workforces for companies around the world. We believe that by creating better people at work, they will create better businesses and better businesses build a better world. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the most inspiring podcasts in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. you crazy happy people out there today on Happiest Places to Work. We have Charlie Janes and Charlie Janes has built three organizations from zero to a hundred million, a hundred million and has been a key leader in many startups. And one of the things that I love that he says here is I help talented leaders imagine and achieve a better future businesses grow when leaders grow. That is so true. Welcome to the show, Charlie. So happy to have you on the show today. Amy, thanks for having me. Yes. I love being here. <laughs> so, wow. What like a, what just a powerful statement here. Businesses grow when leaders grow. Um, tell me a little bit more, like, why, why do you say that? Like, why is that kind of like your platform? Why, why do you believe that so strongly? You know, it's funny. I watched a speaker the other day that said, if you believe you're a finished product, then I agree. And the, the reality is, is that the world is changing so fast. The nature of business, the nature of us as human beings, and we just need to continuously focus on who we're going to be next. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, I I feel like sometimes we aren't focused on who we're going to be next. We're focused on, um, and not that we shouldn't be pr- present in the moment, but we're just focused on the right now, right? Or sometimes I think as leaders, we're actually focused on the past and what we did in the past and how that has always worked. And sometimes maybe if we just stop thinking about the past and start thinking about the future, how much different we can be as a leader. I couldn't agree more. So if I start t- if I start telling you how you should do things based on what I did before, please shoot me. <laughs> right? One of the, one of the things that when I was in corporate America always kind of got me was just like, well that's how we've always done it. You know, we've all heard people say that. Well, it works because that's the way we've always done it. But, you know, let's that's not how that's not how we grow as people. That's not how organizations grow. That's not how innovation works. And so that is one of the the sayings that makes my skin crawl a little bit. <laughs> it does. And it doesn't it, it and it doesn't really resonate with our new workforce. Those those people that have grown up gaming and with social media that are are really ready for the world that's coming. The last thing you want to do is start with the premise that you know better than them. Yes, it's even, so true. Even if you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So you are the CEO of Focal Point Coaching and Training. Tell us a little bit about what Focal Point does. Well, so Focal Point is actually a franchise and my business is Agile Customer Engagement. So I'm a 30-year tech veteran Silicon Valley. I've, uh, as you mentioned before, I've built a bunch of companies. Uh, and about a year and a half ago, my wife and I decided we wanted to get out of corporate America and create businesses ourselves that create jobs and career growth opportunities for others. So I licensed uh, Focal Point Business Coaching, which was founded by a guy that you may know named Brian Tracy. 
Brian's written over 80 books on things like time management and sales and the right mindset. So basically what I've done is I've licensed models for coaching business owners or executives that want to grow to gain clarity and be more operationally effective and better salespeople and better leaders. Uh, And I also have licensed training and assessments to help people start with where they're at and know where they want to get to go. What do you, that's so great. So what do you think is the biggest challenge that leaders face today? I think the pace of change is just brutal. Uh, and competition has never been more intense. And it used to be that businesses had long cycles to prove themselves. But really, the, 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 your, your time to start your business or to adapt to change is really very thin. And if you don't adapt quickly, someone else will take your mantle and you can easily go out of business. And that's no fun for employees. Yeah. And what do you think, like... Um, you know, you, you provide business coaching and leadership coaching. So it's like, at what point in somebody's leadership career do they go, you know, I think maybe I should hire a coach? Well, first off, it happens at all different phases. Uh, but typically, I like to get engaged with, with executives that have been highly successful most of their career. These aren't people that are necessarily in trouble or those aren't the engagements that I enjoy. I enjoy the people that want to find that next gear for that next level of challenge, either enter a new market or maybe to retailer themselves for the next generation of their career. Like I said before, I've been an executive in tech companies for 30 years and I just walked away from all of it to start my life as my own business owner, owning home care businesses here in Florida and as well as business coaching. Wow. Uh, The home care industry, that's another conversation, uh, I think, or industry that I think is just one, very important, um, two, booming. And uh, what an opportunity there that you kind of saw and broke into. Um, But aside from the home care industry, what you were saying about coaching and working with executives who maybe have already achieved a certain level, I think this is so important because I was speaking with someone the other day, we were just talking about um, mainly just mental health, but uh, you know, just like taking this like proactive approach and, you know, like the, the Olympics are on right now, for example, and these Olympians, like they're already Olympians, right. But they still have different coaches or people that they work with to become even better at what they do. And so let's like take a moment as leaders, as people um, in any professional career and go, yeah, I might be really good at what I do. In fact, I might be great. But how do I get to that next level? And we can't always just do it on our own. And that's when we need to engage folks like yourself. That's right. And there, and by the way, that's a good point in itself is there's a range of options with people like myself. Now, I do both one-on-one and group coaching, but I even encourage people who are out there just to form mastermind groups themselves, maybe with a facilitator or maybe on your own. That was part of the Rockefeller uh, method. Rockefeller and Edison and a lot of the greatest business people or inventors we've ever met surrounded themselves with people who are diverse and had different perspectives that would hold them accountable. So that's something simple all of you can do, even if you don't want to hire a coach, is surround yourself with key advisors who are motivated to help you succeed and that also want to learn from you. 
Yeah, so good. So you've started organizations, you've scaled organizations, uh, you coach, you've seen, I'm sure, the good, the bad, the ugly, and you've seen the great. And so, which is the part that I want to focus on here for just a moment. What do you think like truly makes a happy workplace? Let me let me paint a picture with two two vignettes that have happened to me and see if you can pick the difference. You know, the first one is I'm, I wake up at 11 o'clock at night. I've just gone to bed uh, and my throat is tight. My chest is tight. And I'm thinking about my next day with my boss. My boss is super polite, very political, correct. Uh, but she herself doesn't know exactly what she wants because the investors keep changing the ball game. And it kind of distills down through the organization of day-to-day confusion and a lack of understanding about what I can do to move the ball forward. Now I want you to picture, and this is more like three or four organizations that I've worked for in Silicon Valley, where there's a connectedness with the executives and the founders. Maybe they, they enter the you know, new higher orientation by telling you about why they formed the company what their why is, what their beliefs are. Instead of telling you exactly what to do, they tell you what the goals are and they give you principles to make your own decisions to get there the best possible way. And then they give you continuous feedback on how the company's doing, how your work ties to the work the company is doing, and an honest admission of where the company and you have to improve. It's night and day in terms of your stress level and your feeling of joy. I'm blessed to say that most of the companies I've worked for were the latter, not the former. But yeah, boy, I'll yeah. tell you what, the former just scarred me. Yeah. I used to be about two feet taller. <laughs> well, and it's interesting too, because I think you hit on a key point, which is like, they don't necessarily tell you what to do, but they tell you what the goals are. So they give you like that autonomy, uh, which is actually uh, one of the things that we teach in a happy uh, workplace is one of the pillars of a happy workplace is having that autonomy and having that ability to know that you're trusted and you can make decisions to do what you feel um, is right based on what you were hired for. And I think that that's a really important thing. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And if, if maybe I leave everybody here with one idea, especially if you're a leader or you work in the HR department, after the goals are set and communicated, it's really important to give people coaching throughout the week and throughout, you know, it's not a matter of a performance review at the end of a period. And by coaching, I actually mean uh, having helping the employee to understand where they're at on the tasks that they have to accomplish, where they want to go and have them kind of come up with the ideas and to try things, but then to collect feedback from them on how they thought it went. Mm. There's something really valuable that comes from that because they take ownership and accountability. It's exciting because they get to use their creative self to help fulfill the company mission, but to help fulfill themselves. And a really important thing there to remember, I call it the six to one rule, is the way our brains are wired. There's this thing called cortisol. That's the fight, the the flight or fright. So when I remember when I told you I woke up with my throat clenched and my Mm. chest tight, that's where people come from, from fear. 
And it turns out cortisol is about six times at least more powerful than dopamine. Dopamine is what you get when someone gives you a compliment, you get a like on Facebook, or your boss actually sits down with you to check out how you're at. So it turns out employees need about six times as many of those interactions Mm. before they get the, hey, you just simply got to do this better. So I know there's a lot there, but that was one of the main things I just want to get on the table for this conversation. Yeah. I mean, it kind of ties into a little bit um, in positive psychology. We talk about like the negativity bias factor where um, we are more prone to negative or we experience negative um, events more intensely than we experience positive events. And so that kind of six to one ratio kind of offsets uh, how we feel and the things that are actually going on in the chemicals and stuff that are being released, um, within our body. So that's really good. So, so six to one is the ratio that we need to remember as managers, right. As leaders, six to one, <laughs> be there with your people, you know, set a stage. If any of you have ever struggled with how to do that, how to be a good coach itself, I'm going to put in a shameless plug. I teach a class called navigational conversations, And it's a class where you go exactly through this predictable thing where you're always talking about where you want to be, the employee or the company, where you're at, what the gap is. And the key is that you have the the person you're working with come up with the ideas about how they can get there. And then your role as a coach is just to guide them with encouragement and always, always debrief at the end of a task, not looking Mm. for fault but ideally looking for what could be learned and done better in the future. And that's a dopamine releasing exercise. If you're doing it right, not a cortisol releasing exercise. (laughs) I like that. So some of the things that you do, you do business coaching, executive coaching. You also provide different workshops. Um, My, my question is, is like when you work one-to-one with people, what do you think your your biggest challenge is when you're working one on one? What is the biggest not, challenge that you that you have to overcome with your clients? Not telling them what to do. Ah. It's just so natural to want to jump sure. in and say this is what I think. It yeah. actually takes an enormous amount of restraint. So that's the I biggest think- challenge that I have and I think most business coaches have. Absolutely. I think a lot of leaders even have that, you know, or executives and, and so on. And so to be able to kind of like take that step back um, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier about autonomy, you know, giving people the autonomy, knowing what the goal is and allowing them to kind of be part of the solution. So I think that that's a really common challenge. You know, I see on your website too, that uh, you have this, um, assessment that people can take. It says this five minute business growth score assessment. I love these things. Tell us what this assessment uh, will do when someone takes it. Like, what is it going to tell us? Well, I have a, we have a range of assessments for business owners and for executives and their orientation is different, but generally we ask a series of questions about get this where you want to be first. (laughs) And where you and where you are. And we think in terms not just of business success, but you always need to factor in the idea of what financial success is, what your health success is, and what your family, your lifestyle, and your faith is. By tying those ideas together, 
that's really how you optimize performance overall. You know, one other idea is there's people out there that just kill themselves for their job. And there's nothing wrong with that in the sense that, you know, it's a worthy task to try to build a business that serves great clients. But your health and your 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 life, your 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 rest isn't a reward for having done your job well. It's actually a prerequisite. Yes. Oh, I mean, now you just hit on something that I uh, also love to talk about that I think uh, many people miss, which is just that. And how you said it is so perfect, is so perfect that it's a prerequisite, prerequisite. I cannot say that word. Uh, So I love that. And uh, I think, you know, sometimes we and we might love our job. It's not like, you know, we're working so hard because somebody tells us we have to. A lot of times, you know, we kind of overwork ourselves and that's not even like the expectation, right? But we might absolutely love our jobs. But when our health takes like a second seat to that, then we're really not doing anyone any favors. And um, from a happy workplace perspective, our productivity, I mean, there's all kinds of statistics, of course, but our productivity goes down, our focus goes down, our ability to perform form goes down. So in order to, you know, to be the best that we can, putting our health first is um, uh, definitely a priority. Well, it is. And I, let me throw out a statistic, by the way. So I do a time management workshop where I think it was the U.S. Department of Labor did a study. And what we figured out was when people work uh, 50 hours a week, they literally get about 37 hours worth of productivity. So there's 13 hour drop off. And when they up that during times of stress, like think of accountants during tax season, which you know happens, sure. maybe say 56, they get 30 hours of productivity. The amount yeah. of work that they get done actually decreases because you're past the point of diminishing returns. So that's why it's yes. absolutely a scientific fact that you have to replenish yourself. Oh, that is an interesting stat. It's like the more you work, the less you produce. <laughs> it's absolutely true. And it's undeniable. There are, there are these, these unbelievable people out the world like Elon Musk that a lot of us point to. And I don't know how that statistic would work for him, but let's just admit most of us aren't Elon Musk. So if you want to go with the numbers, don't panic if you take a little time off for yourself, because what you'll find is you'll get more work done, especially if you establish, if you prioritize and you establish some routines, you'll actually be a lot more productive in the day, not sitting there thinking about what you're going to go off and do, which is a whole other topic. Yes, that's so good. Uh, creating those habits, planning, knowing what your day is going to look like. I love working yeah. like in chunks of time. Uh, yeah. I, I love to do that because I just I feel like I I get more done than if I just look at my entire day feels a little overwhelming. But if I look at just like, okay, in these two hours, I'm going to work on this. And in these two, I'm going to work on this. Now I feel like I can really like get some things done during the day. So it's not as quite as overwhelming. That's exactly right. And you've, I know you've heard of the 80, 20 rule where 80% of your output comes from 20% of the tasks that you do. So the idea is don't spend your day doing everything, especially if I could give you one piece of advice don't prioritize your workday around your email. 
That's like letting other people set your priorities. Yep. Allow, you know, set aside some time in the morning. At the end of each day, what I advise people to do is pick the three things that will move the needle the most for you to achieve your goals or your organization's goals the night before you leave work. And then when you come in the next day, you know, it's actually marinating in your head and in your subconscious. You ever notice how you just kind of, you wake up some mornings with the answers That's the advantage of picking the things that you're going to work on, but then do those three things without interruption early in the day. And again, that'll take you to 80% of what you need to get done. And that'll give you time for your personal life to have a date with your spouse or your (laughs) significant other to spend time with your kids or to get in shape. Yes. Wow. That's so good. So uh, some really great nuggets here. So I want to recap a few of them. And then I have one final question for you. Um, But Really, I mean, some some trends that we talked about, certainly autonomy, uh, looking towards the future, which oh, I love that one so much, uh, and also planning your day. And Charlie, where can people find you? Uh, so I have a website, cjamesfocalpointcoaching.com, or my email is cjames at focalpoint.com. So I hope to hear from you and also follow me on LinkedIn because I share a lot of free tools, resources. I publish something almost every day. Look for the latest article I published from the Harvard Business Review that talks about the difference between a nice work culture and a kind work culture. There's a Mm -hmm. massive difference. I love it. Yeah. uh, Certainly connect with Charlie on LinkedIn. There is a lot of information uh, on here. So great job with that. And one last question for you. If a happy workplace were a color, what color do you think that would be? Well, it's clear. It would be orange. (laughs) Why is it clear? Why is that clear? It's very clear because it's always been my favorite color. It's a a happy color. It reminds me of Halloween and the fall colors in New England. And yeah, happy. It's, It's orange. I love it. I love it. Charlie, thank you so much for being on Happiest Places to Work. If you'd like to connect with Charlie again, you can go to his website, cjanes.focalpointcoaching.com. Thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. It was really fun. Thank you. Thank you. Amy Dix here. Thank you so much for listening to the Happiest Places to Work podcast. If you are a CEO, HR director, or wellness director for a successful company and would like to be on this program, please visit choose-happy.me slash podcast slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on social. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag happiest places to work podcast. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any episodes. Go ahead and subscribe your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, choose-happy.me or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at Amy N. Dix. Thanks for listening. This is Amy Dix and we will see you next time.